So, after a loss to Carlton, the lid is now firmly affixed back on the Premiership jar for Collingwood. Maybe I jumped the gun last week. Maybe I didn't. Who knows? But the truth is, in the space of, in the space of two weeks, we've realised the big pros and the cons of playing this NAB challenge system that really has no benefit to anyone. I'm the Mighty T. Welcome again to another week of the Big Footy Magpies podcast. Joining me once again this week, Gone Critical. Obviously, um, couldn't stay away for too long. How are you, GC? I'm, I'm not bad. I'm just uh, feeling a little bit dirty trying to rationalise a loss to Carlton and say it doesn't mean anything. But apart from that, I'm pretty good. It's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. And, and uh, you know what I hate? I have Carlton supporting friends. Yeah, I don't know why either. And um, they, they actually like gloating about a preseason win. Um, that's sad. Uh, and speaks to a greater disappointment in their lives. Uh, also joining us tonight, our, our usual boundary riders, as I've decided to call them, Magpie Girl and Laurie Holden. Good evening, guys. Hi, Mighty T. Hi, GC. Hi, MG. <laughs> Good evening. Um, yes, the Carlton game t- certainly took me back to 2005. Plenty of Carlton fans will remember the preseason cup that year. <laughs> Yes, the uh, yeah that was that was a lively competition. Um, certainly the their highlight. Last, their last great moment, wasn't it? But anyway, off the Carlton bashing just for a moment, because we have to look at the fact that you know even though eighty percent of our players didn't get out of first gear, um, we did lose to the Blues. Um, GC, does it mean anything? Did, did the did you take anything out of that game at all? Oh, look, I think you take a little bit in terms of saying we didn't look great, but then you look through the stats and say. And, of course, Swan and Penderbury hardly touched the ball relative to what they do. They had six mm. of the top possession winners. We were – whatever we were doing, we weren't flat chat. And I think when you have so many people out and your star's not playing well, your game plan goes to goes to the putt. So I think you can take very little out of it. No injuries is the best thing. Considering that I thought our best of field was Nathan Brown with his, you know, 13 touches, five tackles um, – and, and really, he shouldn't be touching the ball anywhere near that much. Um, it does speak volumes. I think I saw a, a little passage of play where Pendlebury was you know, just jogging towards the, the ball and getting a nice little cheap hand pass out the side. And It was certainly the attitude of the players that didn't seem very switched on, which is a little bit of a shame because I think it was a, it was a good opportunity for a guy like um, Jordan Degoe to really press his claim for around one shot. Patrick Carnezis didn't do very much. Tim Broomhead was quiet. Um, I think for me, that's the most disappointing element. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's the surprise. Well, it's the thing that you're looking for is you're looking for a Kennedy or a Broomhead or a Kinesis or someone to sit up and say, look, watch me do this this week. I'm a round one player. And mm. I think a few of them have probably let a chance slip. I thought Adam Oxley was, for a guy who's been out all, you know, missed the whole of last year, He's settling back pretty well. I don't think he's round one, but, you know, he's got something to offer. He proves to be a fascinating player in uh, an interesting position. I guess the, the the one thing that I always thought was a bit of a knock on him is he's not overly quick, um, but he seems to he seems to find space, which is, mm-hmm. which is really odd for a for a player of his of his type. He reminds me a little bit of Goldsack, but, you know, maybe maybe a shade more talented by foot, but without the intensity. Mm. He, he can kick the ball. Which yeah, makes, which makes him stand out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, it's not like we weren't missing a lot of players. We were, um, and we'll get to this week's game uh, a little bit later on. But one of the players, one of the big ins for us was was Big Trav, and 
again, the, the the big banana that he is didn't look particularly impressive or imposing against um, what is a fairly pedestrian Carlton backline. It's led to a few discussions on the on the forum about you know what you know are we would we be a better football team with or without Cloak in that forward line and. I mean, for for my money, I think he's done his job for the last two or three years. I think it's a bit early to say, you know, maybe it's time to push him out. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, he he didn't have a great year last year, but he, in two thousand and thirteen, he was all Australian. Nelly won the uh, Coleman. It was probably his best year. And the other thing is, if one player, if I've ever watched through his career, if one player has always troublesome troubled him, it's Jamison. He, Jamison is a very good defender yeah. and matches very well on cloak and we didn't have delivery so i think it was yeah. his first game it was like swan and penderbury forget that game for cloak no oh, could could couldn't agree with you more i mean at the end of the day he is uh he's absolutely vital i've i've heard people talk about trading him at the end of season while he's young and has value i thinking to myself this is a man who probably has another four years left five years left maybe in the collingwood jumper you know uh, he, you know he's he's got that yeah, you know, the guys like that don't get smaller. They don't get less competitive. Um, so he's always going to be a worry for teams. Um, I don't have a problem with with, with Cloak at all. I'm, I'm probably his biggest defender, um, and 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 I think everyone should be on board with him because you know, he's he's still a damn good footballer for our club. Yeah. The the other the other thing that makes no sense if anyone talks about swapping him is he's got after this year he's got another two years left on his contract at big big money. He, <laughs> If we don't think he's that good, no one's going to buy that contract yeah. out. So we, we've got him. Forget about trading him. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. If he plays yeah. well, we don't want to do it. If he doesn't play well, no one's going to take his contract out. Well, the interesting thing now about Cloak, I think, more becomes about his supporting cast. Um, you know, yeah. his big partner in crime. Two years ago, Ben Reid has been settled into the back line. You know, varying opinions on that. I think it's a good move. But... You know, we're now looking at a, a forward line combination that would look at Cloak plus um, perhaps Jesse White, perhaps a resting Ruckman. Carnezis has got a lot of support. And starting to firm up is young Corey Gold after his um, elevation from the rookie list. What, do you, what are your thoughts on the forward dynamic and uh, how happy are you for young, young Corey? Oh, I, I must say, I've been surprised. I mean, I watched him a bit in the VFL last year and he, he, when he went from when he'd come back from, he did his collarbone, you thought, well, that's almost his career done. Then he played well late in the year in the VFL, got that game. And then this year, I think he's been a bit of a revelation, really. I mean, he's that mark he clunked against Hawthorne. His leading against Carlton was quite good. So he's got something to offer. And I think he and Jesse Wider, but I think if Cloak has one of those two can step up a bit, and then Elliot and for solo, that's a, that's an aerial presence that is pretty daunting in a lot of ways, and I think Cloak can be helped just by that. Yeah, look, absolutely. I mean, that it it, it really does become more about again the supporting cast and 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 the parts more than the individual. You know, I mean, I've I've, I've, I've had just did a bit of a quick notation now. You know, you could expect thirty goals from someone like Elliot. Now, that's something that should be an expectation now for him, given 22 games, as a minimum as a starting point. Cloak, probably about 50. Okay, That's probably where his average would be across the last five years, if not a little bit higher. But you say at least 50. For Solo, a full season up forward, again, I'd say about 30 goals. Okay, So that's 60 goals from two guys who aren't your primary forwards and 50 from your tall. It's 110. 
10 goals between the three of them, which is already good service. You add in someone like then a goal, who, what can we expect to average from Corey Gold? You know, we a, want a goal a game, perhaps? A, more than a goal, 25. Yeah, and I've put, I've got you know you've read my you've read my mind. I've got twenty five here, you know. So if the if, if if the kid ends up playing twenty games for the season, twenty five games would seem like a pretty pretty good uh, return for that. Um, and you put in the other guys, the whites, and look, the thing that made us so successful in two thousand and ten, we've got to look past it, obviously, was the fact that we had a lot of midfield goal scorers, and that's the one thing we've been missing. It's a variety of goal scorers that have flooded in through the middle that chip in one, two goals a game. Okay, Swan, up to two years ago, I think had thirty-nine goals, which is ridiculous for a man who with his sorts of midfield minutes. Okay, but if you could get if you get another twenty-five to thirty out of Swan, you've now got a very potent midfield slash forward brigade. So I, I completely agree that, that, that you know our forward line will be the sum of its parts, not on cloak the individual. Yeah, that yeah. That's what we need. We need the whole group contributing. Swan, uh, and Cloak can be the, be the main man still, but not the only man. The return of Fazola has made a, a big difference already. You know, just suddenly there's another um, target and he's a really good mark. And have we seen them, uh, Elliot and Fazola, play in the same team? Did they play together not, the first time? They played a little, but not not as... not. You know, for Solo's really good year were 2011-12 and Elliot came what really established 2013-14 when Fasolo was injured. So to have them both lining up, if they both play at their level, then absolutely what we've got is two 30-a-year guys who are not talls. And both really exciting marks. And, mm-hmm. um, and, trouble. and then if you've got Cloak... And you've got White, and you've got the resting Ruckman down there. You then number four and number five in the air have to go up against guys who are very strong in the air. They'll get guys against them that are really not strong in the air. Uh, I think they can be, you know, Luke Bruce is like that because he's strong in the air, can score goals, and he's got the benefit of having a whole lot of guys around him that take pressure off him. I think that's what we need. We need a whole lot of guys working together. So from the forward line, switching gears into defensive prospects, we've talked about the elevation of Corey Gold in replacement for the injured Brent McCaffer. But one person who won't be on the long-term injury list or at least placed back there for any indefinite period of time, Matt Scharenberg. Some good news on that front, GC. Absolutely. Uh, very encouraging uh, that from Barmy's report today to say that um, he, you know, they, cl- they clearly stated he's tracking well ahead of average and... Uh, you know, just really needs what a block of about four weeks of conditioning they thought. So he sounds like he'll be playing VFL early in the season, which is ahead of schedule, and uh, it puts him on target now to hopefully debut this year. Does that make a, a few of our resident doctors on the big footy board have to eat a bit of a humble pie about oh he won't be the same and injury prone and not going to debut in 2015? Wasted pick, rah rah rah. I mean, I've heard it all. I've, I've read it all probably in the last five weeks, if not longer since his injury. Um, this, this certainly puts paid to that, doesn't it? Well, I'll, I'll probably be, put my hand up and be one of those ones that might have said it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I don't think – look, I think what it does say is, 
you know, I think I think this kid needs time. I think we just don't want to get too much expectation, but he, he's he's had you know the best part of two years out by the time he's back. But yeah. now he's now he's in a position to do something this year. And with these ACL injuries, if if they're clean injuries and they recover well and don't get setbacks, then they're back early. And you know, I think I've always sort of thought, well, let's take worst not worst case, let's take the conservative view and let's think if he's not back all year, well, that's okay. But if yeah. he's back, fantastic. Yeah, he'll certainly. He'll, uh, I've I've said in in one of the threads, you who projects to be very Goddard like, so. Start off the half back, and I think eventually once his frame uh, develops, he'll move into the midfield. But he's a he's he's, he's just gonna look. It's hard. You got you got to say for the for the, for the lad, it's hard being the you know the highest draft pick we've had since you know a guy called Pendlebury. Um, it, you know, trying to trying to it's like there's an expectation almost that, that certainly a lot of casual supporters or you know people that don't watch a lot of junior football have that these high draft picks will come in and be mega stars. So for him to miss this much footy, there is a you know, and still have that expectation. Um, you know, shouldn't hopefully it doesn't weigh on him too much. But I think you're right. We just have to be patient. Let the kid develop at his own pace, and you know, get a feel for the game before we start worrying about. Look, he may debut by mid-season. Yeah, um, it, it, there's every possibility. Um, depending on how we're playing and how he plays, um, there's every chance that we'll see him play senior footy this year, and that's um, that's very exciting. Mm. But I don't think at the same thing. That's why I don't think we should worry if if he takes a reasonable time to readjust and get up to speed. I think we, you know, I wouldn't. I'd hate to think people say, "Well, he's no good because he hasn't he hasn't shone immediately." He's yeah. missed a lot of footy. Give him time. But if he's as good as what we all think he can be, he'll he'll come good. And if it takes him to the age of twenty in his third season to debut, so be it. At mm. the end of the day, the talent isn't going to leave. Um, yeah. So. Uh, we'll uh, in the long run. I'm sure we will find out what kind of a player Matt, Matt, Matt Scharenberg is, and we'll go from there. Switching switching gears to this weekend, uh, the full dress rehearsal against the Western Bulldogs. It's going to be interesting because I, I, I'm wondering what sort of squad we're going to put out there. Um, I can openly say I'm pissed beyond belief that Jordan Dugowie has been uh, neglected out of this side. It is astounding to me. Um, that you know, a kid after one very good game, one okay, yeah, not a great game, but hey, you've got about twenty friends out there, has now been left out of the side. Um, what are your thoughts on the weekend, and uh, and the selected teams? Well, if we go on just the goey, I uh, that first that game against Hawthorne, you just he screamed class, and you know, a kid that was ready to straight away. That's what he looked like to me. Um, I'm not going to rule out the idea that they may have even said to him. Look, we think you've done enough now. Go back to the VFL, have a week off, and take the pressure off. And we're going to select you. Maybe be the sub. But even if he isn't, he has to be someone who who's not going to be far away. So I don't think. It, look, I don't think it matters greatly if he doesn't play the first week or the first five weeks. I I think he's shown us that he's going to play and play pretty soon, and he's going to be very yeah. exciting. So him being out doesn't worry me that much. Although I've already loved him. Um, <laughs> I think this this. Uh, this week's going to be a dress rehearsal. So I'm really interested to see who of the 27 they've named. They've got to leave another three out because that's going to leave 24. And I think the 24 that are left is is the round one team minus two. You know, you've just got to drop two more out. So really interesting to see who makes the cup this week. It's interesting because obviously Grundy had a little bit of a, a scare and he's been named. 
Um, Wits hasn't been named, uh, nor has been Reed. So they must they must have they must have an element of confidence about Grundy being fit enough to uh, to go up. The ins are Adams, Elliott, Frost, Sidebottom, and White. Only the three out so far, and Cox to go in Dwyer. I think I think we'd be looking at someone like Adam Oxley, perhaps missing, and maybe a Patrick Carnesis. And a Ramsey, Ramsey's got a, you know, they've done okay, but I think they might say, well, you're maybe go back for a week. So is that essentially going to be our strongest side minus uh, Ben Reed and potentially Jared Witts? I think so. Yeah. The other one that the other one I'm interested in is in Tim Broomhead because he he hasn't done that much this preseason after sort of showing us a lot at the end of last year. So I, I think he really needs a big week this week. He needs to you know, push himself back into the picture. Well, I reckon the best of the acquisitions so far, I mean, Greenwood's been solid as he always was going to be, but Crisp has been quite good. And for me, he's, he's firming as a first-round uh, debutant. I, I can't see why he wouldn't be included in a first-round team at the moment. Yep. I think he's another one, absolutely. He's he's another one. There's a, uh, that's why this week's really interesting because it's guys like Crisp, it's Broomhead, it's Kennedy. You know, there's a couple of places, even Thomas, if you don't play well this week, you're going to miss out round one. So I think there's going to be a few guys that will be going hell for leather against the doggies. I think the big microscope this week will fall on someone like Taylor Adams um, and and probably Josh Thomas. But Taylor Adams specifically, the, the dogs have been built over the last you know, year and a bit as a hardball contested winning team. Taylor Adams is a hardball winning player. There will be no Liberatore for the dogs, but there will be Matthew Boyd. But there's an opportunity for him now to say, this, if this is a full rest rehearsal, he's got to go full bore and say, I am everything that um, the club wanted me to be when they picked me up. And then that's, and this is, Taylor Adams has to start making, it starts this weekend, you know, making a statement for himself to be in that side and to be a key player in our midfield. Yeah, I agree. Although I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of the view that if, if you get rested in week two, it's almost because they say, well, You've done enough. We, I, I think he's around one certainty, Adams. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you're right. He, he's, 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 he's the next. You know, after our established midfield guys, he's the next one that we really want to step up and make a difference because he, he's the one. He's the next one that's going to make our midfield come back to being a very good midfield. So I'm going to rattle off a couple of names at you now. And I want you to tell me at this point in time whether you think they're round one certainties. All right, we'll go with Jack Crisp to start with. Uh, still has to have a good game this week. If he does, he's in. Okay. What about well, Jackson Ramsey? Don't think so. I think he'll be... I don't think he'll get a game this week, so I think he'll be VFL. Jared Blair? Uh, certainty. He's, he showed on Saturday. He kicked a couple of goals. He got posies. He's, he's, he, look, he's, he may not be there all year, and if they pass him, fantastic, but they haven't... The young blokes haven't passed him yet, so they've got to get past him to kick him out. Look, I agree. On the weekend, he did what he has to do for a man in his position. That's that that that's the least that we can expect. That the club can expect of him: pressure, target, scoring goals. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much better Jared Blake can get as a footballer. But as you say, until they go past the likes of him, of Tuvi, of Goldsack, these guys are going to be in the squad. You know, I want to see that joke past them, not to be said, I think potentially you're better, so we'll give you games so to see whether you are. I want them to knock down the door and say, I'm the best, better bloke here. 
and you have to now pick me on that basis. Yeah, again, that that that, that 2010 model where you know Blairy busted down the door and someone like Lockyer missed out on that that grand yeah. final because of how good Blair was. Yeah, you know that's what I want to see from from the recruits as well. No, I'm certainly on the same page there. Uh, what, what in particular would you be looking out for for on the weekend? Yeah, we're going to have for solo cloak, White, Galt, Elliot, maybe Carnesis. We have all those guys that we can see forming our forward line out there, and but and it's the first time I think that any that that group will have played together to any any real degree. So I'm really interested to see how they're going to mesh together. And who's really going to take hold of the forward line? Okay. And, and look, I mean, this 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 uh, this also lends to people. There's, there's an argument going around that people think that Clark should be um, a little bit more explorative in his leads, head outside fifty. This might be the time when Buckley could almost test that and have Clark lead back up to the wings and uh, and really start uh, getting on his bike working defenders over and clearing some space in the forward line for a couple of the tall targets. Yeah, absolutely. And even, a, I mean, and Elliot and Fasolo, who are good on the lead, you know, if, if Cloak clears a path and if we don't go to him, then suddenly, because you saw you saw against Carlton, one thing we saw was Fasolo hit a couple of leads really hard and give yeah. these guys space. And I, that's, what, that's what we need. We need Cloak moving. Yes, some of the ball goes to him, but when it doesn't, there's space behind him that, these guys are going to use. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it, it's going to be interesting. This this little nab series, whilst it whilst it hasn't been, I don't think, beneficial overall. I think it's been enlightening to see a few different changes, um, and it certainly makes the prospect of the incoming season very very tantalising. But I guess it'll all uh, unfold uh, this Saturday evening. Um, I'm going to wrap up for tonight because uh, we've, we've done a, we've done a good show. We've had a few interruptions, but we've had a good show. Um, I want to thank everyone for, for being a part of it again. Um, Magpie Girl and Laurie Holden for, for your, your consistent efforts. Thanks. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and uh, GC, thanks again for, uh, for being part of the show. Oh, thank you. Very enjoyable. We also, we also want to send a special shout-out to Reykjavik. Um, I hope you're listening in. I hope you've been reading all the comments um, on, the, uh, on, the, on the Big Footy board. Our thoughts are with you, mate. So take care. Feel better soon. Uh, and uh, and and uh, yeah, we're we're certainly willing to ha- we're ha- willing and happy to have you on whenever you are uh, whenever you are feeling up to it. Um, we'll be back next week for our, uh, our our big season launch kickoff podcast. But for now, this is the Mighty T signing out. Mm-hmm.